When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Flying is a major part of my job. Each week for the past 20 years, I've traveled from city to city on various business meetings. During that time, I've flown enough to join the Million Mile Club. I love it, but there are aspects of flying even I can't handle. Crying babies, limited leg space, people listening to music too loud, the list goes on. Luckily, I've developed the perfect system throughout the years. It includes a neck pillow, a sleeping pill, closed shades, and earbuds. Unfortunately, during my last flight, the survival kit had gone missing during check-in. Without it, I was doomed to suffer through a long, sleepless flight. Of course, I was also seated behind someone who wouldn't stop crying. It wasn't even an infant, as I had expected, but a grown woman. She sat with her face pointed towards the window and sobbed loudly. At first, I assumed she was afraid of flying, but if that were the case, she surely wouldn't be too transfixed with the outside world. The thought of her being sad crossed my mind as well, but it didn't sound like that. She just seemed broken. Before long, her whining had garnered the attention of the staff. A stewardess walked over with a concerned look on her face and gently tried to start a conversation with her. Ma'am, are you all right? She asked. The woman didn't respond. She just kept staring outside, crying nonstop. The stewardess gently shook her, yet she didn't seem to react. By then, people were getting worried. Whispers filled the cabin, people asking if she was on drugs or if she'd suffered a mental breakdown. I wasn't as much annoyed as I was worried, but something about the situation seemed oddly eerie. I considered opening my own blinds to see what she was staring at outside. Before I got the chance, I heard another person crying a few rows behind me. I turned around to see a man sobbing loudly. He too stared out the window. His eyes were unblinking and he didn't seem to produce a single tear. In fact, his entire face was rid of all emotion. He just sat there, crying without moving his mouth. Sir, one of the neighboring passengers asked as they leaned in to help him. No sooner had he peeked outside the same window as the man before his eyes went blank and he started sobbing with him. Then a fourth joined in and a fifth. By the time we realized what was happening, half the plane had broken into an unbreakable rhythm of crying. It's the windows, close the damn shades. One of the passengers called out. In a haste, we did as instructed. First, we made sure none of the still sane people got the chance to look outside. Then we proceeded to close the blinds by the crying people. Each of us careful not to look outside in the process. As soon as we'd blocked their view of the sky, they instantly fell silent. One by one, their sobs stopped and the plane fell into uncontrollable silence. I let out a sigh of relief, but the small victory was quickly squashed by a panicked gasp. 
they're not breathing, the stewardess called out. She was right. Each of the previously sobbing passengers had died in their seats. Without a view of the sky, their bodies had simply shut down. In the span of just a few minutes, half the plane had succumbed to an unknown curse. We attempted to resuscitate a few of them to no avail. In the end, we just sat in silence, all of us in shock at what had just happened. In the meantime, the stewardesses were trying to contact the pilots. They weren't responding, and we all knew what it meant. We'd lost them. After a few agonizing minutes of doubt, the stewardesses used their emergency code to open the cockpit. On the inside, we found the pilots crying unresponsively. We brought blankets inside to quickly cover up the windows and removed the dead pilots. From there, ground control gave us instructions and aided us in landing the plane safely. It was rough, but we managed to get to the airport alive. Once there, we were met by a team in hazmat suits. Despite our explanation, they couldn't rule out a possible infection. As we expected, even after an overabundance of tests, nothing was found. To this day, I don't know what happened aboard our flight, nor do I care to find out what those poor souls saw outside the windows. What I can tell you with absolute certainty is that I'm never setting foot inside a plane again. Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to my podcast, then you will absolutely love what Shudder has to offer. From my experience, Shudder truly is the Netflix for horror. It's great because they are always releasing new content, such as the new slasher comedy, Vicious Fun, about a horror movie critic who stumbles into a support group for serial killers, featuring Anchorman's David Koechner. You can easily download the Shutter app on all your favorite devices, such as your iPhone, iPad, or Android. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store to download it for free. It's such an easy-to-use streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies I've ever seen. From Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films, you won't find anywhere else streaming uncut and commercial-free. Get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content today. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like The Boy Behind the Door, Slasher, Flesh and Blood, and Jacob's Wife. To try Shudder completely free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code NOSLEEP during sign-up. You will instantly gain access to the amazing movies and TV shows Shudder has to offer. After the 30 days are over, it's only $5.99 per month or $56.99 annually. This is a limited time offer, so go to Shudder.com today to sign up for free. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. And be sure to use promo code NOSLEEP at sign up. And now back to the story. During the past few months, I've spent approximately 50 hours trying to obtain a private pilot's license. I was just about ready to take my final test. But first, I wanted one final lesson with my teacher. Luckily, it was a beautiful day with close to no wind. My teacher, Lawrence, felt comfortable enough to let me do most of the work. He was a relaxed but stern man in his late 50s, and he'd been flying for the better part of his life. The airport was small and situated about an hour from the city. It only had a handful of planes and little staff to speak of. Still, it had its charm, and the surrounding nature was absolutely breathtaking. To the west stood tall mountains that looked gorgeous from the air. It was only contrasted by lush forests and vast green fields. It was a beautiful sight to behold. Nothing could beat it. I started the engines. Before long, we were flying gently through the air. I'd gotten quite good at takeoff, and though my landings tended to be a bit rough, we always got back in one piece. As we hung in the air, I glanced over at Lawrence. He looked nervous and kept staring towards the western horizon. 
Something's wrong, John. Put her back down on the strip, he commanded firmly. All right, what's going on? He just pointed towards the mountain range. A storm was approaching out of nowhere. Thick, gray fog poured from the mountains, approaching us with impossible speed. What the hell? Just turn around, that doesn't look good. I did as instructed, but even our plane couldn't outrun the oncoming storm. Before we even started our descent, the fog had taken over the landing strip. Don't worry, I'll take over, Lawrence said. He attempted to contact the staff back on the ground. There weren't supposed to be any further flights that day, but we had to make sure we didn't collide with anything on the ground. Alas, all we got as we turned on the radio was a mess of incomprehensible static. What the hell is going on? He asked, more annoyed than afraid. Despite the thick clouds, there wasn't much wind to speak of. He gently put us down, careful not to let the storm shake us up. As we landed, the fog had become so thick that we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us. He parked the plane and started looking for the rest of the staff. Where the hell is everyone? Lawrence asked. Maybe seeking shelter from the oncoming storm? I suggested. We ran towards the main hangar, which also contained access to the offices. As we got close, I noticed the number on the building was missing. In its place, someone had written a strange symbol that looked like random lines mashed together. Did someone vandalize the hangar sign? Or am I having a stroke? Lawrence joked, trying to brighten the eerie atmosphere. I didn't laugh. Something was horribly wrong. There weren't any planes inside the hangar, just scraps of rusted metal. By all means, it looked like the building had been abandoned for years. Parts of the internal structure had fallen to pieces. In addition, there were no signs of our team anywhere. We entered the offices. The power had gone out and each and every room appeared barren. All that was left behind were a few broken chairs, some papers, and ancient posters still hanging on the wall. This makes no sense, Lawrence said as he ripped one of the posters off the wall. The picture was faded, but it looked like a plane from the late 40s. The text was in a language we couldn't understand, just incomprehensible symbols similar to the hangar number. I picked up one of the papers. That too contained a string of weird symbols. It was clearly a different language, though it wasn't one either of us had ever seen before. It mostly resembled corrupted data printed onto a piece of low quality paper. Before we got a chance to investigate the bizarre situation, we heard a crashing sound coming from down the hall. Something had broken down the front door. We rushed over, hoping to find another person. Instead, an obsidian black creature stumbled into the office. Its skin moved around, swirling, as if it were a liquid poorly forced into a humanoid shape. It growled and started approaching us with impossibly long steps. Without hesitation, we bolted back into the hangar. A dozen more creatures had wandered onto the strip, contrasting starkly with the pale fog. What are we gonna do? I asked. There were too many of them at the landing strip. The only possible escape would be by getting back into the plane and flying to another airport. Get to the plane, Lawrence yelled. We tried to swiftly move past the horrific dark creatures. They were slightly slower than ourselves, but we'd still need time to get the plane into the air. We got the engine going and slowly started accelerating. One of the creatures had latched onto the plane on Lawrence's side. He attempted to push it off, but just a simple touch seemed to burn his skin. He let out an agonized yell and resorted to throwing his bag at it. When that failed, he opened the door, which finally detached it. As he let out a sigh of relief, another of the creatures jumped in through the open door and grabbed Lawrence. His skin burned and ripped from their bones, and the creature dug deeper into him. Knowing he could do nothing to escape, he simply unbuckled his seatbelt and let the creature pull him out. Get out of here, was the last thing I heard him scream. By then, I'd garnered just enough speed to take off. 
I had no choice but to leave him behind. With shaky hands, I ascended up through the fog, praying for a ray of sunshine to greet me. Before I knew it, the skies had cleared and the fog had simply vanished into thin air. Below me lay nothing but the beautiful landscape I knew and loved, touched by the warm sun. Back at the airport, I could see the staff going about their day as if nothing had happened. They seemed confused at my sudden appearance and came running when I finally managed to land the plane. At first, they were furious because I'd taken off without Lawrence. But when they noticed the patches of burned skin and blood he'd left behind, they got scared. The police were called, but without a body, not any reasonable explanation to what had happened, they let me go. After a long round of questioning and a long investigation, the case died down. I've tried to come clean about what happened, but who'd believe me? Whether we ended up in the future or another dimension, I don't know. I just wish I could have saved Lawrence. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I've always been an extremely heavy sleeper, a fact that has greatly helped me during my frequent flights. I was making my way to Sydney to visit family, a trip that would last an entire day. Despite my easy dreams, even I needed a sleeping pill for that particular journey. Medication, combined with some music to cover up the constant noise in the cabin, would allow me to spend at least half the journey over the Pacific in a peaceful slumber. Suddenly, I was jolted awake by another passenger violently shaking me in my groggy state. It took a while before I could even comprehend the words he was yelling at me. Once my eyes finally opened, I could see that he looked absolutely horrified. They, they're, they're all g gone. You gotta wake up. He stuttered loudly as he continued to shake me. Even then, it took a while before the words hit me. How could people be gone? Had we landed? As I tried to compute the information, mild turbulence shook through the plane. We definitely hadn't reached our destination. Gone? I asked. What do you mean? The man was too panicked to respond. Instead, he just kept pointing around the cabin with a shaky finger. Slowly, I got to my feet and tried to shake off the hold my sleeping medication had over me. The plane had been packed to the brim before takeoff, but now it was almost empty. There were only about five of us left, all equally terrified. Cabin crew, please report to the cockpit. One of the pilots said over the speakers. I looked around the cabin. The stewardesses were nowhere in sight. Apart from the few scared passengers, the plane was completely rid of any life. We made our way to the cockpit door and used the radio to respond. They're gone, what's going on? I asked. Oh God, them too? The pilot asked back nervously. A click was heard and the door opened. Inside, we found only one pilot. You're alone? I asked. He nodded. We were taking shifts while on autopilot. I fell asleep and when I woke up, he was, he was just gone. From the cockpit, I could get a better view of the world outside. Below us were endless, sandy hills. As far as I knew, we were supposed to be crossing the Pacific Ocean. Yet, all we could see was the infinite desert below. Where are we? The pilot took another look at the instruments. They were filled with numbers and blinking lights I couldn't comprehend. The coordinates were last updated an hour ago, but we're supposed to be in the middle of the ocean. But it just doesn't make any sense. 
Have you made contact with the airport? No, nothing is working. I'm flying blind here with nowhere to land. The one thing I could recognize within the complicated cockpit was the fuel indicator. Though it still seemed plentiful, it would eventually run out. How much fuel do we have left? I asked. We should have had more than enough to get to Sydney twice over, but I don't even know where the hell we are, the captain replied. The next few hours went by, and we gathered every piece of technology we had in a futile attempt at contacting the outside world. All the while, the fuel kept dripping down, a constant reminder that we were running out of time. Outside, the desert continued, only interrupted by strange rock formations. They were unnaturally spiky, extending high up from the ground like razors. All we could do was watch and hope the pilot found a safe place to put us down. After a while, the deserts and rocks gave way to a flat piece of land. The pilot looked around before finally making his decision to put the plane down. This is the best I can do, get ready for landing, he said. We buckled up in the back of the plane and got ready for a rough landing. It was surprisingly gentle once we first hit the dirt and against all odds, the brakes slowed us down without incident. It looked like we were in the clear but then, the ground below us finally gave out. The front of the plane fell into a sinkhole, which instantly crushed the cockpit and caused us to slam against our seats. It knocked me unconscious for just a second, but by the time I came back to it, the cabin had filled with smoke. A couple of the passengers had their necks broken from the impact, and the pilot had been killed. The few of us left alive rushed to escape the burning wreckage, but in the chaos, it was difficult to find the exit. Using the escape lights, we got to an emergency exit and jumped onto the burning hot ground below. Three of us had survived the landing, but we weren't safe yet. It wasn't until we got away from the smoke and fire before we realized the true gravity of our situation. At the horizon in front of us stood an impossibly tall mountain range stretching endlessly up into the sky. It was little more than barren rocks and lifeless ground. But the thing that truly horrified us was the sky above. There hung a massive blue sun that felt like it was scolding our skin. We'd survived the landing, but it wouldn't even matter because wherever we were, it wasn't on Earth. Thanks for listening. To get notified every time a new episode is released, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button and turn on all notifications.